0: Welcome to the Broly Marketing Podcast series, where we explore anything and everything to do with running your small business. In today's episode, we're looking at how various marketing and communication tools and platforms, from LinkedIn to podcasting, to video, to the media, how they can help grow your business, with a particular emphasis on the current COVID nineteen environment and how that might affect our plans. Indeed, is now the time to be investing in new forms of brand communications, given the current circumstances. My name is Verity Blake, and joining me down the line to discuss these issues is Sharon Shapiro, Broly Marketing founder and sales expert, and Dave Harries, experienced broadcaster and producer, and a Broly Marketing associate. Welcome, both of you. So, Sharon, why is marketing communication so important to grow your business at the moment?
1: So Verity, I think that at the moment in these really uncertain times, it's important to continue to think about how you're going to continue with your business and also to grow your business in the future. Because although a lot of people are obviously furloughed and businesses is quite slow and some businesses stopped altogether, that's not going to be the case forever. So for those businesses that stand still at the moment, They're going to find that suddenly when things do begin to pick up, and they will, that actually they'll get left behind. And that's what Broly can do. That's what the associates do in the form of yourself from a PR point of view, Dave and so on, and other associates that we have within the Broly marketing team. Broly marketing was formed uh, by myself and my colleague Nicola Ryle. Uh, With a view we'd worked together for many, many years and often on clients mutually together. And we felt that actually it would be great to be able to bring together experts in different fields of marketing and communications to help businesses grow in simple terms. But without doing that through an agency that has lots of overheads and an office and so on, and only using people as and when they're required for the services that's needed, i.e. an end-to-end service, but only with what actually you need to help you
0: grow. And Dave, you've got extensive experience in broadcasting and in interview-based filming. Do you find that services you provide, podcasting and video production, is also a route to help to grow businesses at the moment?
2: Yeah, I think... This sort of marketing has always been a route to help grow businesses. Otherwise, why would you? Why would you bother? Frankly, uh, because it's, it can be quite expensive making videos, and it, it's certainly quite a lot of uh, quite a lot of effort for for people to go out and make a video, whether they do it themselves or whether they use a professional company. So you wouldn't do it, you know, as a as a commercial organisation. You're not going to do it just because you love it you're going to do it because you think it's going to make a difference. So yeah, absolutely, you've got to therefore think about what that difference is. And in other words, why you're doing it, you've got to have the why question as the first thing you do before you make a a video or a podcast. And if you can answer that why question in a fairly convincing way, then you can go ahead and hopefully, the answer to the why question will inform the type of content that you end up producing, whether it's podcast or video, homemade, professional, whatever it is. And and of course, as part of that why question, you need to know your audience uh, and know who it's aimed at and what it is you're trying to persuade them of or influence them with and that sort of thing.
0: I think that's a really important point about making a difference. And if you if you're not there, and it comes back to what Sharon said as well, if you're not out there, then you could get left behind. So what tips would you give, Dave, for using podcasting video to help maximise the use of it, to build your brand and to engage, ensure that it engages with your market?
2: Well, at the risk of repeating myself, I think you have got to think about your audience. You've really got to know why you're doing it, who you're actually broadcasting it to, because obviously audiences can vary hugely. I mean, if you're business to business company, then clearly you know, your audience might be a lot of senior directors, for example, in boardrooms. And the type of video or podcast you might make for them might be very different to if your your target audience is, say, I don't know, children or uh, or it's people working on the on the factory floor or something like that. I mean, you, you know, without being too patronizing about it, you, you do have to know your audience. You do have to know where they are, what they like, the sort of thing that they're going to want to listen to or watch. Because otherwise, again, you're likely to be wasting your time. And the second thing is, and, and it follows on from that, is that once you once you know your audience and you've established why you're doing it, then you've got to think about the content. So what it is that you're going to put in this video or this podcast or this message, uh, because that content has to be relevant to the audience that you've identified it has to be relevant to the to the why uh, and it has to it has to resonate and engage the people that it's aimed at so there's no point in doing something just because you like talking about it or you like appearing on camera or whatever it is, it's got to be something your audience likes and your audience is going to be engaged with. It's it's too easy, I think, in this world of video and podcasting to be a bit self-indulgent. And you see examples of that all the time, where you can kind of tell the video or the podcast is being made for the benefit of the participants rather than of the audience. Now, sometimes those two things will coincide and that's marvellous, but you've got to make sure that the audience are engaged.
0: Sharon would you say similar to what you do it, it, what Dave is saying about making sure the content is relevant knowing your audience making sure how to make sure it resonates would you say that's the same principles that apply to what you do and 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 how do you ensure that businesses how can businesses ensure that when they're sending out communications whether it's via LinkedIn that they are crafting messages that meet that those principles
1: Okay, so I I agree very much with with what Dave has to say. It absolutely has to be targeted towards your audience. And to that end, thinking about LinkedIn, which you just mentioned, Verity, uh, if you use that as a good example, so say you take your LinkedIn profile and you perhaps have 500 plus contacts, so you've got a good amount of contacts. What a lot of people don't understand is that behind that is a massive database of other potential contacts, But that's all very well if you've got loads of contacts, say 1,000 or 2,000, if you look at second and third degree contacts. But are they relevant? So actually, what you then have to do is think about who your target audience is, and also perhaps what sectors they work in, because you can narrow it down that way. And then you can start to get together a campaign which looks to incorporate various aspects of the marketing mix, if you like. So A podcast, for example, that's relevant maybe to a product or a service that you offer, or even a topic that's relevant to what you do as a company. And then some PR to promote that podcast. Um, And then perhaps some calling, uh, some LinkedIn work, and some other marketing kind of messages to actually get it out there. And to make it measurable as well. That's the other thing that I think is really important, where you can. And you can, as a combined campaign, make it measurable to determine that actually you have increased your sales. Because at the end of the day, certainly from my point of view, if I haven't increased the sales of my clients, then I'm not actually doing my job properly.
0: I find that, especially on LinkedIn, that a lot of companies, the messaging, when I read it, can sometimes be a little bit out of place or incorrect, that they often oversell themselves too early. Sharon, would you agree with that? Is there is there a, is there a knack to sending out messages to connecting with people, um, not overselling yourself too soon and making it approachable, friendly almost? Would you agree? Is there?
1: Yeah, I think it's about making it relevant again. So instead of thinking about a mass mail shot, for example, which you can't really do anyway in LinkedIn, but thinking about, for example, your target audience being quite small. And actually looking at, and this is where we work really closely with our clients. So we'll take a, perhaps a group of 10 or 20 contacts and we'll, we'll kind of ask them why. You know, why are they interesting to you? And then you start to make that really personalized. And actually, this is true whether it's on LinkedIn or anything else. If you research your target audience before you contact them, from my point of view, that makes for a much better conversation, much more relevant and hopefully much more responsive from the person that you're trying to target because it shows that you've put some time and effort and thought into why you think they should be dealing with you or you can help them to do a better job of whatever it is they do.
2: And can I just add something to that? Because I, I think this is, um, this is a related point because uh, Sharon talked there about the basically targeting, almost targeting individuals via LinkedIn, which, which is one of the great powers of, of that site. And if you think about the way we make podcasts and video, often people think of it as a numbers game. And they think, well, I've made this podcast. And obviously, the measure of success of my podcast will be when I have 10,000 listeners or 200,000 listeners or whatever it might be. But that that simply isn't true. Because most podcasts, certainly in the business to business world, are never going to get anything like that number of listeners because there aren't that many people out there who are going to, frankly, give a damn about what you're talking about. But that doesn't matter because there might only be a small number of people that care about it, but they are your target. They are the people that you want to talk to. They're the people you want to impress, frankly, with a bit of thought leadership and a bit of uh, a bit of sort of showing off of your knowledge. So if you can get to 10 decision-makers and influence them, then that's a success. Now, you might look at the numbers and say, oh, well, we only only had 25 listeners for our podcast. But if 10 of them matter, then that's a success. So I think you've got to be careful not to get carried away with the numbers game. Having said that, once you've made a video or a podcast, clearly you need to promote it. You need to tell people that it's there. Uh, because otherwise, you won't. Otherwise, nobody will listen to it. And clearly, you, you, you've got to get in front of that target audience. So you've got to find uh, you, uh, making the the content is only the first step, and then you need the skills of somebody like Sharon to really help you get it out there and get it in front of the right people. Even if that's quite a small audience, it still has to be done.
1: I would say again, as a, as a complimentary point to that, less is more especially in these days now where actually you don't want to be doing we're bombarded aren't we by so much stuff that's out there that you know the days of doing a kind of a mail shot an e-shot those are long since gone and it's now about i believe anyway being much more targeted and that's certainly what we're finding with clients that we're dealing with at the moment it's the most effective way you really narrow it down you test you test you test and so back to those 10 for example that maybe listen to that podcast You know, if they're buyers of your products and services and your products and services are worth an average sale of, I don't know, let's say 10,000 pounds. I know that's a lot, but let's say it is, then they're worth real money. There might only be 10 of them, but it doesn't matter. Even if half of those or even if, you know, small percentage of those convert, it justifies the campaign and it's raised your brand awareness as well.
0: Yeah, you know, the the interesting thing we we talked about before this podcast though was about success measuring success, which ex, which expands on this point. It's always been an issue in PR and generally in marketing is how you measure from A to B. How do you measure that piece of coverage that's generated results? How do you measure that podcast that's generated sales? So it'd be interesting to gather your both of your opinion on that. Um, maybe Sharon, starting with Sharon.
1: So for me, in terms of what I do, and that is reaching out, speaking to people, maybe arranging some meetings, maybe actually taking the sale, you know, doing that pre-sales bit with the client and so on, and then getting the client involved once, uh, you know, it gets more complex and the client takes over as they often should, obviously, it is fairly measurable because actually if somebody says, right, I'd like 10 meetings, um, and I know they're obviously not face-to-face at the moment, but they're just as easily done on Zoom. Then that is measurable. But that in isolation is not good enough. What I need, and this is where really the, the the beauty of Broly, and I know it sounds really corny because it sounds like I kind of, you know, fits in really well, doesn't it? But it's true, is that actually I need the other aspects of what goes behind that to get to the point of, The client going, oh, yeah, I've heard of your firm. Yes, I I do remember, actually. I I heard a podcast and I heard such and such. or, Or I remember seeing something like an article in a newspaper or in a magazine or whatever. And that's what I need as a whole to make that marketing mix work. So for me personally, it's fairly measurable. But actually, I still need all the collateral behind that to make it count and matter and get to that point in the first place of being able to speak to those people, actually.
0: Yeah, it helps to make those doors open a lot easier, doesn't it? If they've seen they've heard of the company, they've got the credibility behind them because they've been in the press, they've seen, they've heard they got they can put a face to to the brand. It's very
1: rare actually. There's only been one, well, two clients actually think about it, but one particular one where I have rung up and because they were such a large client, so well known in their particular field and a very specialist field at that, you know, people would feel like they were honored to be called up by this particular company. Which was kind of—it was a great door opener, but actually, even then, after that, you still had to work pretty hard to make sure that you got those meetings set up.
2: I think this measure of success is a very interesting question because I've been in this in the world of video and podcasting for quite a long time—well over ten years uh, since since I left the broadcasting world—and it's a question that naturally comes up a lot in sales meetings and that sort of thing well how do i how do i know if it's successful how do i measure it and that sort of thing and 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 i i'll be honest with you i've struggled with that from time to time because it's it is hard and and i'm not a you know i'm not a professional salesperson myself i'm i'm just a just a poor old video and podcast producer you know what do i know but it it's it's something that people kind of repeatedly asked and over the years i think sometimes that me- the measure we use for success has changed interestingly so i remember in the early days of running the first production company i had a measure of success was was stickiness uh, and by that i mean people coming to your website and staying there to watch in this case in that case a video or listen to a podcast or whatever and that would be seen as a success so if because people were bouncing off off websites so quickly, they wanted to keep people there longer. So they weren't looking to measure necessarily direct sales or bottom line difference that the video made. They were simply looking to get people to stick around on their site for longer. Presumably the thinking being that, you know, if you stayed there longer to watch the video, you might see other things and and you're more likely to pick up the phone or send an email. So that was so that was kind of the measure of success. Now that's changed over the years. People don't talk about stickiness so much in my experience. I'm sure it still matters. And I'm sure if you're a web developer, clearly it's going to be something you think about. But often now people talk about different things. So they might talk about the numbers. They might talk about, well, let's put it on YouTube and see how many hits we get. Well, I've already given you my view of that. That's that's all very well, having raw numbers, but it doesn't guarantee anything. It, it matters who watches, not how many. So again, it's quite hard to, you know, how do you measure whether the right people are watching? Well, of course, if you know your audience in advance, if you've thought about that stuff carefully, then it's not so difficult because you know where your audience are. You can go to them and you can survey them. You can find out what they're thinking, particularly using tools like LinkedIn and things like that and you can you can ask people you know what they think did it make a difference to uh, to their sort of view of the world to to whether they were going to buy from you or not and i and i think in the end from my point of view it seems to me if you're going to try and get concrete information about this sort of thing you have to ask people and whether that's through audience surveys or focus groups or whatever you know those those seem to be the things that give you this more unassailable data uh, but i but you know i'm speaking as somebody who just makes the stuff so i think sharon is probably and you verity you know you're probably far better qualified than i am to talk about this stuff
0: we use a lot of tools metrics to show the impacts that pr um, press coverage has had on how people have engaged or the market has engaged with the coverage so th- you have the standard audience reach you have the opportunities to see but we also measure the metrics on social media to see how many people have shared it or um, the, the domain authority of each piece that then helps to support the SEO. So there are all those, but it is the the whole fundamental question of how that has then generated into sales. And when an organization has got a whole marketing mix of activity going on, it's very difficult. It's actually pretty much impossible to say that that particular piece of marketing has generated that sale because it will be a the complete toolkit of marketing that has spurred a decision. Um, and, and if you go back to the old t- tried and tested theory, marketing theory, that it's seven times um, before somebody, seven times somebody sees um, a brand before they actually spur a decision to buy, then it's going to be a number of factors. So the, the the overall point is you've got to be seen across all of those different touch points that reach your market and whether that's LinkedIn, the t- the media they reach, the social media platforms they use and the video and podcasting content that they download so that you are continuously at the forefront. Fundamentally, that is that is what makes a, a very powerful marketing campaign. Um, and I think, Dave, you mentioned yesterday about that. It, it's all about bringing a seat at the table.
2: Yeah yeah that was a that was an analogy that that I got from you know it's not mine it's Grant Leboffs and he's a digital marketing expert consultant and I've worked with him a lot and and he he made that point you know that that putting out this content giving because you're kind of giving your knowledge away for free if you like you know you're putting yourself out there saying listen this is what I know this is what I can help you with and and uh, and his argument was that 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 does not guarantee a sale. It never guarantees a sale. But what it does do is it gets you a seat at the table so that when that person decides it's time to buy, you know, they have you somewhere, hopefully at the front of their mind, otherwise the back of their mind, but somewhere in their mind, hopefully, so that you do get a chance to sell your stuff. And, and you can't really ask more than that, I think.
1: I think the other point that I wanted to mention there as well was talking about the way that you were talking about sticky uh, stickiness before Dave and in terms of the film or the video that you make but nowadays from what i understand um and i'm not an expert on this this is where nicola would be able to comment better but from an seo search perspective whether it be on linkedin or whether it be on your website evidently having a video or some form of video is much makes you much easier to search and gets you higher up the rankings of uh, being able to be found. So I think that's the other significance about having uh, podcasts or videos or something along those lines there. And what you can do with a video as well, because we all know that, right, nobody's going to listen just off the bat to 20 or 25 minutes of video without having something that made them think, hey, that's quite interesting. I'd like to listen to more than that. So if you cut a little bit down and say you put a post on LinkedIn and you include that little segment, that then, again, is going to promote, and it all builds, doesn't it, towards recognition and ultimately credibility of that individual and potentially then making that sale.
2: Yeah, I think that stuff is really important, uh, actually, Sharon, because, I mean, if you, if you look at the broadcasting world where I come from, they use the concept of trailers all the time. You know, it's there all over the radio, all over television. You know, it's what's coming up, what you can see next Tuesday, what you can, you know, and they're little, they're tiny little tasters of, that make you think, yeah, do you know what? I am going to tune in and watch that or listen to that. And, And we need to borrow that, for ourselves and yes and we've got social media as our platform to put those those little 30 second clips on from a video or from a podcast uh, and that stuff that stuff does work and And by the way you're absolutely right about uh, about the seo friendliness of this rich media if i can call podcasts and and video rich media they do make you seo friendly google has long favored video almost since i've been in this business you know it's been known that that you put a video on your site and you will go up the rankings even better if you transcribe that video and put in lots of keywords and things like that you know and then you get into the black arts of seo which i don't claim to understand but video itself and podcasts will help your website no question
0: it's all very well that we talk about these sort of forms of communication but during covid 19 world is this still relevant is it a still relevant form of communications that businesses can use to grow their to grow their organization
2: yeah it's a good question uh, i mean obviously the lockdown has affected every everybody and has made life more challenging uh, for companies like mine no question about it i mean our video work kind of went off a cliff uh, at the beginning of march you know it just all got cancelled because we weren't allowed out you know and uh, traveling to make a film which is what we would normally do is not uh, not classed as essential uh, not surprisingly however Having said that, there are lots of ways you can still use this stuff. And I would argue it's more important than ever now, because we don't get out to our face-to-face meetings. We can't go to our networking meetings and all that sort of thing. So we have to do something. We have to still retain that visibility. And... One thing you can do is what we're doing now is podcasting using the internet. You know, so we're normally, when I make podcasts, I do them face to face. I love doing them face to face in a room with somebody, but you can't do that at the moment. So you can use this fantastic software. There's lots of this available on the on, on the web and like the one we're using today to make podcasts online a bit like a zoom call but better quality so that's one thing very easy to do video is more challenging obviously because you there you are you know you might be reliant on webcams and zoom and things like that and clearly the quality of those things is nothing like the quality of broadcast cameras that we would normally use having said that you know i've been talking to a client about getting them to do some filming uh, this is a guy who runs a, a, an art studio and we i was talking to him about him filming some of his works of art and then sending those those videos to me via uh, some sharing site and then I can edit them Add voiceover, add music, whatever, you know, and create something that is valuable because he can film them. You know, he's got a reasonable camera. He, he's not a camera person, but I can give him a few tips and all that sort of thing. So there are ways around this. And there's a lot of, I know there's a lot of video companies out there and podcasting people as well who are being quite innovative in trying to create ways around this. But wh- however you do it, you do need to do it. You've got to keep going. You've got to keep putting stuff out there now more than ever, I would say.
0: So one thing that you need to, that that we're finding with clients is that they're not considering the time in which it it, it is involved with planning for communications campaigns. A lot of companies appreciate that, that, that they're only focusing on the now because it's heads down, trying to survival mode. But a lot of organisations will have plans in the pipeline, as we are finding with with organisations. They've either got new innovations coming out, new products, And so it's really important to think that when you're planning your communications campaign, whether that's video podcasting, lead generation, um, your marketing, your press activity, that to be thinking two or three months down the line. Sharon, did you want to add to that? I
1: did. (laughs) I definitely agree with Dave uh, in the sense that now is actually the time for me. I mean, I'm a bit obsessed, actually, with watching all this creativeness that's going on out there. And whether it be on YouTube, which is, you know, obviously not the most professional, but people who, you know, these these people that are stars and, and actors and singers, and they're being so creative with what is out there. And to Dave's point about the client, that he's saying, well, actually you go and do a bit of filming and then we'll bring it together and we'll make it work. And actually people are making it work. And I think although the quality isn't going to be as good, People accept that, and actually, there's something about it that is almost more authentic because it is authentic. That you see people in their own homes, you know, with their, if you watch all these videos, and people are, you know, performing, singing, whatever, with their their small children, you know, their animals, their whatever happens to be going on in the background. And actually, there's some joy to that, which is very different to this very professional, very kind of stuffy, slick world that we might have come from in the past. So why not embrace it? I feel like it's the best time to embrace it. And there's going to be some truly inventive stuff that will come out of this. For all the horribleness of COVID-19, there is some fantastic output that people are doing and creating. It's it's amazing.
0: Yes, that's, that's a good point. And it's a nice note to end on. You've been listening to the Broly Marketing Podcast with our special guests, Sharon Shapiro and Dave Harris. If you found the discussion today interesting, you can find out more about Broly Marketing and the multidisciplinary services they offer at brolymarketing.co.uk. You can also find more podcast episodes there. So please subscribe, share and keep listening.